You're listening to Spawn on Me on ESN.FM. Welcome, everybody, to the Spawn on Me podcast. This is episode 84 of our show. I'm your host, Khalif Adams, and I'm joined this week and every week with my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, the Cortana of Spawn on Me, the Siri of Bricago, Cicero Holmes. How are you, sir? I don't know what you're talking about, Khalif. What? <laughs> Khalif, you're an asshole. What could you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I really wish that that would be the way that you always addressed me because then I would just make the world way easier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So apparently I'm going crazy. Um, I'm like uh, a, demi- a diminutive, uh, like apparition, a uh, white apparition that lives in the head of some giant seven foot white dude that runs around the universe killing aliens. Keep- Keep going. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, you, you, you're trying. You're trying to see what what part of that is bad. I want to see. I want to see where this fanfic is going to go. Right. Right. Exactly. Because you've already started down a really interesting path. This is going to be real. Oh fun. yeah. I want to see. I want to see. The funny thing is, well, one little known fact about Twitter is the woman who plays, uh, not plays, the woman who uh, is the voice of Siri follows me on Twitter. Word. Which is super yeah. weird because I was like, why? Uh, you know, because <laughs> you you asked uh, how to unbury a body as opposed to how to bury a body. <laughs> the, the craziest thing is, I would say, is the person who's following me on Twitter. Siri, tell me who that person right. is. And they would tell me, and like, it's me, motherfucker. Right. It's me. <laughs> it's, I, it's me. I can hear it's you. It's me, you idiot. <laughs> how, was, how was your week? Man, my week was good, man. Uh, you know, I got to uh, listen to our episode, albeit a, you know a little bit late, but uh, it was it was fun. Uh, a fun time was had by all. I got to play uh, Halo Five, and uh, you know maybe we'll talk about that this week. We'll probably wind up talking about that la- uh, later later in the year. Um, but uh, yeah, Halo Five was eagerly anticipated. Uh, has been purchased, has been played. Campaign has been completed. Multiplayer has been engaged. Nice, nice. Those nice. are things. That sounds like it was fun. <laughs> it's a thing. It's. I want that to be your tag. It's, it's a, a thing. thing. <laughs> I think I played. I played a little bit of it too. Um, it's fun. Uh, we'll talk about it later. I had a pretty decent week. I went and dragged my uh, my brother in law around Portland. Showed him where all the good donuts were. We went on a hike, and my leg hurts. Because mm. I'm not in shape. Okay. And I, well, at least you didn't I walked fall up and hurt mountain. your ankle this time. You know what? We're not going to talk about my goddamn ankle. Every time it talks about me walking places, my ankle well, always comes I mean, into question. It, it is a liability. Like, so uh, another peek behind the curtains. Before he moved to Portland, Kyle was like, Kyle and I were talking and was like, yeah, man, how you doing today? It's like, yeah, I'm chilling. Um, except I got hit by a car today. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get hit by a car? Well, I went to step off the curb and I kind of missed the curb and I hit got hit by a car. <laughs> like, <laughs> I forgot about that. I forgot that I got. That, why didn't Facebook tell me that I got hit by a car? It tells you all the other dumb shit that happened in your life. <laughs> yes. So if if you run into car IRL, um, you know, get him like a guide dog or you know, I don't know, a Shetland pony 
or you know, hold out your hand, a little little walking stick, some some shit to aid this motherfucker because he's he's a calamity waiting to happen. First of all, I have the reflexes of a jungle cat, so that's the yeah. first thing. <laughs> They're I, all extinct. I, <laughs> <laughs> you will not get the Peter motherfuckers after us. I will. I will fight you. Anyway, anyway, uh, we are go- we are enjoying this week with the wonderful, beautiful, amazing Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. And special shout out for the beautiful thing, man, yeah. because sis. Cicero previously would say that he's the he's the most beautifulest, but I think I might have topped him in that category. So I'm oh. the most most beautifulest. Oh, there you go. Uh, thing in this world. So, mm. you know, props to me. I'm sure. I'm sure. At I'm some in a Cicero mood right now. I don't know. I, I'm just feeling incredibly vain and. Uh, yeah, well, you and know. I mean, myself, I'll, so. give, I'll give you some. It, it, it feels good to feel like me sometimes. So you can go ahead. And do that. <laughs> How you turn that into something even more vain? <laughs> That's a talent that you have. It's, it's, it's what That's I do, talent. man. It is what I do. <laughs> he's like, he's like, what superheroes are that? He's like, he's like the rogue of <laughs> of vainness, right. just, just absorbing just other absorb motherfuckers' everybody else's just, vanity. <laughs> just absorbing and pushing back right. out into the world. It's gross. It's terrible. Uh, well. We have one other guest this week. We do. And I'm super excited. I'm super happy. I'm super happy. I'm doing my happy dance in my in my house. Because if you have not been paying attention and you had not been paying attention to all the dope podcasts that are out in the world, there is one podcast that you definitely should be listening to because it is hosted by some of the most amazing folks on the planet. And we have one of them with us today. We have one of the hosts of the Justice Points podcast. We have Apple Cider. How are you, Apple Cider? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm talk to you, talking to you live from beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin, <laughs> also home of, of Sharif Jackson. Yes. What up? It's awesome. I, I don't remember Sharif actually living in Wisconsin. I think he is in multiple places at once. I think he might be multidimensional, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, no. He's, like, on the astral plane. Right. He's, yeah. like, on a whole other level. No, so I'm, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in Milwaukee on, like, all 52 Earths. Some alternate version of Milwaukee. So. <laughs> He's cool what, kind of, what kind of new version of New 52 is that shit? <laughs> Just saying. Well, which I tried to send him some. I tried to send him a gift, and I was like, "How do you send something to Tardis?" Right. <laughs> <laughs> this shit is difficult. This shit is difficult. So, uh, thank you so much for coming through. I am so excited because you do you along with uh, your co-host. You do one of the best podcasts that that's out there. Um, I kind of want to get into both. Who you are, who your co-host is, and, and why you do this amazing podcast called Justice Points. So if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and, and if you want to play the role of your of your of your co-host, you can. I I would I, f- I would feel really terrible if I tried to like mimic Zufi's voice. Although it's funny, we do get comments from people that don't know how to tell us apart <laughs> somehow. Uh, very weird. I don't know why that happens. Uh, wink, wink. But uh, <laughs> we sound very different. But uh, hello, I'm Apple Cider. I am co-host of the Justice Points podcast, along with my awesome co-host Zufi, who could not be here tonight because she is very, very ill. So uh, she's resting up, and I am taking her place and representing uh, the podcast. Uh, 
We are a social justice slash feminism gaming podcast. We look at gaming through the lens of, you know, um, just feminist issues, feminist critical rhetoric, that sort of stuff. Although our official tagline is social justice meets gaming like a monster truck. <laughs> so, uh, and we've been doing this for like uh, about two and a half years. And unfortunately, the show is ending in December. Um, so I'm pretty sad about that. But it's kind of time to move on, do other things. Me and Zufi kind of want to like, you know, work on other projects and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. unfortunately... Our last episode will be our Game of the Year episode at the end of December when everybody else does their, you know, Game of the Year podcasts, but it'll be a goodbye for us instead of a, you know, fighting over which game gets, like, the top slot. <laughs> so, um, it's, so it's going to be the crying episode. Oh, oh, no. Oh, yeah. There are going to be tears. There are going to be <laughs> tears, like, just just waterworks because, you know, we're, we're both very emotional in touch with you know our feelings and uh we're gonna be crying about like you know everything uh but uh we started out as a world of warcraft podcast um that was like feminist and after 50 or so episodes of that we both realized that we kind of didn't want to play world of warcraft anymore and we were kind Mm -hmm. of you know kind of tired of dealing with that whole scene because it's like not the best scene. <laughs> it's kind of like gaming, but worse. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we decided to kind of jump ship and do more general gaming, kind of expand our guests, expand our repertoire, and just do kind of like general stuff. And that's what we've been doing ever since. We have tons of guests on. Every week we, we you know try to get guests. We talk about the news. We talk about what we've been playing. And we all kind of filter it through our personalities and kind of how we interact with games, how we engage the media, hmm. you know, our own perspective. Sure. sure. Totally. So uh, I, I kind of want to go back to what made wow even more um, toxic than, than in quotes game, you know, other games. <laughs> um, it's probably because, and it's really interesting you should ask that because I actually have kind of a lot of theories about that I've, that I've sort of been like formulating for quite a long time. I actually want to like actually put pen to paper about this because I think, you know, my time spent in that community, like I want to write memoirs, like my time <laughs> right. in the Warcraft community and how I feel about it by Apple Cider Mage. Uh, but it's because MMO communities tend to be very insular Mm -hmm. because Mm. they're a genre of gaming that demands so much of your time and like like and that's so that's been like kind of the interesting thing to watch with like destiny because destiny is taking a lot of those mechanics from mmos and planning it on an fps so you're getting these like two communities that have very different like interests or kind of like modes of focus except for their their love of misogyny so oh yeah no no, both the both uh, both of them love (laughs) that uh uh, like world of warcraft was was such an old community i mean world of warcraft's 10 years old right and it could easily be your one game Mm -hmm. The one game you play, you don't need to play anything else. And at the time when it came out, you didn't 
have quite the same level of diversity with game genres as you do now. Like, you know, you could just play World of Warcraft. You didn't have to read gaming sites. You didn't have to know other gamers because you could just meet all the other gamers you could ever want to know in World of Warcraft. It's it's like a bubble right. that nothing enters in and nothing gets out it's you know it's like a black hole uh so you can live inside of that bubble for now nigh on a decade and not have to be aware of up-and-coming critical theory about games you don't have to read anything about games you don't have to like so much of what is happening now in video games in general like this cultural shift that we're seeing this like you know the kind of um you know like fighting and and discourse and stuff like that world of warcraft is still like years behind that stuff Mm -hmm. and while some of it has kind of passed in and out just because you know people are on social media and you know stuff overlaps and stuff it was just very backwards and when we first started doing the podcast and, and both me and Zufi both also had blogs because blogs were very popular back then. Um, we got so much flack, like a <laughs> lot of flack because in contrast to the larger gaming community, which already had this like, you know, new wave of criticism and journalism yeah. going on. World of Warcraft didn't have any fucking big name feminists. Right. There were no <laughs> feminists right. in World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft players couldn't even admit that there were girls right. on the internet. Right. So it's like, <laughs> you know. Right. So it was really difficult to go up against that wall day after day after day, which is so weird because World of Warcraft is like 50% women. Right. It's right. got a even huge so, community right. of women. But yeah. Just a lot of unbridled misogyny and racism and any other ism you could possibly think of. And it gets really stressful sometimes. It gets really um, hard to keep butting up against that day in and day out. So it's like, while I really liked the game, the community was very toxic. The community was very, like, it felt like being kind of a fishbowl. Mm -hmm. It was a game that had, like, at its peak, 12 million players. And yet everybody that if you became a big name in the community, everybody fixated on your life and would talk shit about you constantly. It was just kind of very tiring. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so would you, would you say that it was, it was the social aspect or the, the, the like the fourth social aspect of, of being in a world of Warcraft clan or being in the world of Warcraft community that created the tox- toxicity. Yeah, so, yeah I mean, like because... The, the, yeah, so it's like social social stuff can bring you together, but be- if you're not a white man in, yeah, in yeah. that social, you know, or at least if you don't present yourself as a white male online, yeah. it, it automatically, yeah. the thing that, that gave you uh, sanctuary was also the thing that brought you damnation. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's actually a really good way of putting it because, I mean, anybody that I knew that was kind of like not a straight white cis dude right. was basically like a lot of women I knew would pretend to be a dude in World right. of Warcraft. I was really lucky because I had the same guild from start to finish. Uh, I was in the same guild because it was a great group of people. 
and eventually it became like just like this big feminist guild and it was so awesome we always hung out we always did everything so i could kind of pretend that the rest of <laughs> the world of warcraft world didn't matter right. but it 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 is a community that is really resistant to change and it's really resistant to um social um justice and social dynamics because everybody's there to play world of warcraft and when everybody's there to play world of warcraft you don't have to talk about politics you don't have to talk about anything else but world of warcraft so it's not like gaming in general where i play all these different video games so we have to talk about something else at the same time to kind of bring us together world of warcraft if you're not there for world of warcraft and you start talking about other stuff like, ah, uh, that's when the Pandora's box flies <laughs> open. And, you know, there's also just a lot of, you know, that community kind of just breeding this um, uh, kind of single-minded mindset about those topics. You know, right. um, I brought something up um, during one of the expansion betas about an NPC that was like really creepy to female player characters. And I started a thread on the beta forum and <laughs> three closed threads later and several <laughs> flame wars and, a, and people spam reporting my name, my character oh, name to GM. Uh, <laughs> I like, there are people on Reddit that still talk about that. To, like like four years later because the it was mind-blowing to have somebody speak up about like sexist stuff right. and that's the, the so it's like any sort of like it's very resistant to, resistant to change or open-minded mm -hmm. thinking in general so yeah it kind of self it, it reinforces itself because you're you're expected to just play world of warcraft they don't want you bringing anything else like your personality or your identity right, to the right. table oh so you mean you don't want your politics in my game right. yeah yeah <laughs> and it's it's hard not to because world of warcraft does have a lot of like problematic stuff going sure. on with it and i wanted to talk about that all the time like you know me that's what i right. do <laughs> i want to talk about problematic shit in video games and world of warcraft is just like rife with that stuff so but anytime we would want to talk about it and um, we would just kind of get shut down. And that's why we started the podcast. Because guess what? No one can interrupt you on a podcast. <laughs> oh. Damn. Until, until you're on this show and then and I'm around. Yeah. No, all bets are off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's you, you know, and like, so like I haven't played a lot of WoW, but I always saw it as this super social game. Right. To where, like, you, you know, like, there's these huge raids, and, you know, like, you have these huge parties of uh, people. So I had originally thought that it would be an easier time in a game like that to have different discussions because because people are, you know, like, talking about, you know, the game, and then people get bored and say, hey, so what's going on? And then start yeah. talking about stuff. So, you know, in my sort of, you know, ignorant uh, mentality, I would expect it to, to be more diverse conversation in a game like wow than in other games but it seems like that's definitely not the case at all no i mean yes and no because i mean some level of change and progress is always going to happen no community is impenetrable mm -hmm. from that stuff because you know the world of warcraft player base is getting older and you can't right. ignore right. that after a while but um 
it's hard. You have to find like a little pocket of people to play with. And that was a lot of the guests that we had on when we first started Justice Points were people that wanted to come on and talk about kind of like their pockets of gaming. Like, you know, we had um, a couple that met through World of Warcraft because a lot of couples actually do. A lot of couples meet through World of Warcraft. I met my boyfriend through World of Warcraft. Um, We had a couple that met in World of Warcraft because they were like the only two black people in their (laughs) (laughs) kids. So, you know, like you, you, we had a lot of people come on and talk about those kinds of experiences, what it's like to be a marginalized person dealing with a game that has sometimes a very intolerant community and a very um, not as progressive uh, game content. Sometimes, you know, the game would mess up in a really big way. And Mm -hmm. we wanted people to come on and talk about their feelings about that. You know, like, how does the game treat race? How does the game treat gender? You know, how does the game treat sexism, mental illness, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the breeding ground for our show is Mm -hmm. to kind of, Get those feelings off our chest. Talk about it. Have that space. Get that conversation going. Well, I wanted to say really quick, I'm so happy that the end of that sentence was guild and not just Warcraft. Like, you're the only two black people in all of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah, no, just just two. No, no, like, <laughs> that would be not surprising, but yeah, that would be a little, a little bit weird. 12 million people. And then two black odds. people. <laughs> Black I kind of, I kind of want them to have their own space, their own server. It's just like <laughs> blacking, blackington, blackington. Like, no, what? like they, you know, I. But it was a, it was a really interesting story because I definitely know that that is still a really huge problem. Is that the game is very, it's full of white people. I mean, let's let's just be honest. World of Warcraft right. is made predominantly by a lot of white right. people and it has a lot of white people in the community, and it's that's been kind of an ongoing problem that we've tried to pick apart kind of on a couple of occasions just because it's it's kind of a dominating factor for a lot of people yeah absolutely um so one of the things that i love about your show is that you have gotten some of the most amazing guests (laughs) on your show and i'm gonna i'm gonna put the spotlight on you and make you name drop some people that you had on your show because i think because i think to a certain extent it's it shows the caliber of work that you both do the quality of your show and also the conversations that you're having that no one else is really having. Um, so, uh, so please let us know some of the dope people that you've had on your show so far. <laughs> um, we've had uh, Steve Gaynor and uh, Carla from Fulbright on the show. Um, we had them on to talk about Gone Home. And that was such, oh, that was such a huge deal because I am such a fangirl. Oh, my <laughs> yeah, God. I, yeah, was, that was ridiculous. I was, like, shaking. Because that was, like, one of our first, our first, like, big, big guests that we got mm. once we made, like, the changeover. Um, we've had uh, Martin Saline, uh, mm. who is also known as, like, Yarn Dad. He's, uh, he's uh, from, he's making the game Unravel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was, was really awesome. We've also had... Um, a developer who worked on a game uh, that I can't remember. Oh, this is terrible. I I always forget names. Um, we've just had it like you had a bunch of developers um, that doing are doing really awesome stuff. We try to like feature people that are doing something a little bit different, like a lot of indie developers. Um, we also have a lot of you know people in the journalism space. You know, Gita Jackson, Maddie Myers, Soho Kareem. Um, you know, we've had. Um, Quite a quite a few feminists on the show. 
I know, like, this is terrible. We've got, like, 120-something episodes, and I'm just, like, forgetting every I remember person some folks. We... You had Catherine Cross on. You had Austin Walker yeah. on. Oh, we've had, had Austin Cara. Walker on a, a couple of times because he's so I know. Awesome. I'm jealous. I'm je- <laughs> yeah, Kara Ellison I mean, on, Sharif which Jackson is one of my favorite Jackson episodes. Fairfield, right. Ron, Sharif that Jackson was a great episode. Fairfield, talking about grandma fighting games and yeah. Kanye <laughs> the yes, past. Yes, yes. Yeah, we. I, I mean, like you guys have all been on the show, and it's like super cool. Um, uh, we've just, you know, and actually, I should mention that this weekend we're we're also going to have Nina Freeman. Wow, uh, Whoa, also Fulbright, that's awesome. Also from Fulbright, and she's also doing her own game, which is uh, Sibylle, which is really really cool. Um, we've just, I mean, we've had uh, Tanya, friend of the show, Tanya on the on the show a bunch of times from I Need Diverse Games. Um, I mean, like we just try to, you know, bring people to the show that we're big fans of. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so the question I have for you is because I know that that switch over from doing a wow, doing a wow show to specifically talking about feminism and talking about social justice mm-hmm. is a is a is a it's not a hard pivot if it's in you to 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 talk about those things, but it's a hard pivot to. Have it have an audience ing- uh, be ingratiated into that yes. into that conversation, mm-hmm. um, and also picking guests that kind of lead towards having better, even even more expansive parts of those conversations. Yeah, yeah. What's the process for you for for you to been like kind of like who do we want to talk to at this point? Why do we want to talk to them? What's what's the kind of conversations internally of saying, hey, this person is doing something super dope. We need to talk to them. Is it, is it something special in the way that you kind of pick a guest for a week or or that you're kind of mapping out uh, your guest roster? Um, yeah, it's kind of been um, – it's so weird. And this is one of the reasons why I'm really sad that the show is ending is because me and Zoopy are basically, like, linked mentally. Like, we just <laughs> – we operate on the same wavelength all the time. Right. And her and I complement each other very well. But basically, it's kind of a combination of – when we first started to do the more general episodes, we said, let's make a list of all the people that we really want on the show. Like just put a bunch of people that we know, put a bunch of people that we would like, that would probably be pretty decent to get. And then let's just put on some like, ringers just Mm. some people we know we'd never in a million years get (laughs) and we cleared through that list and um sometimes it's a week-to-week thing like did somebody do something really cool did they write something really awesome did this new game just come out you know like sometimes we've just we keep our you know schedule open just so in case somebody cool does come along sometimes we get people suggested to us um which is also really cool because that helps us find people that maybe we weren't aware of, Mm -hmm. but people in our audience want to listen to. So we do take, you know, audience suggestions from time to time. It's kind of a whole combination of that. And then, you know, we ask them, they either say yes or no or ignore us. And (laughs) then we kind of go from there. So (laughs) it's, I mean, it's a really fun process though. And it's always really interesting to see just, how big of a guess can you reel in? Right. You know, like it's kind of yeah. kind of like a game, but uh, <laughs> but it, it it's it always pays off because we always try to get people that we think are going to bring a different perspective to the table and are going to bring something fun and clever and unique 
and their own, you know, kind of perspective to it. Um, we want people that are, you know, kind of doing something a little bit different to, um, you know, just share their thoughts, you know, share their interests and their passions with us and the audience. So, I mean, that's, that's mostly the goal is to get some cool people on the show that also have something to say at the same time. So, yeah. So who haven't you gotten on the show uh, that you were that was on maybe the the super super duper like oh that would be fucking bananas if we got this person on the show list uh, Ashley Birch <laughs> which is weird because we had her brother right. on the show we had Anthony on um, Ashley Birch Jennifer Hale um. I mean, those are basically the top right. two. Yeah. That, that we've we've been really lucky. Yeah. We have I mean, really yeah, been lucky and just gotten a ton of guests. Guess. So, yeah, like mostly that. I mean, like for a while we were thinking of having like asking like Anita Sarkeesian, mm. but eh, it, it's hard. That kind of guest that has not only just a huge following, right. but also a huge... Right level of detractors right. you know you have to make those kind of decisions you know not that it's anita's fault but you have to kind of make those decisions of like is this going to just make their lives more horrible what's yeah. it going to mean for right. us that sort of thing do we want to you know deal with that sort of stuff and it's hard because i, I and i have a feeling it's one of the reasons why anita doesn't do a lot of like more you know kind of smaller appearances because it has it has to be like worth her while basically to kind of you know put up with whatever she's going to get right. so yeah. you know right. Would have been cool, eh, maybe not 100% the easiest guest in the world to get anymore. So, you know, you, you, you win <laughs> yeah. some, you lose some. So. <laughs> so I won't ask the question that most people would ask when they have that end of that conversation, which is, which is your favorite guest and la 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 yeah. I won't ask that part because that's a little bit hard to, to do that. But yeah. I will yeah. ask, what has been one of your favorite conversations that you've, that you've had sparked from one of your guests? <sighs> God, this is terrible because I'm old and my memory is shot. <laughs> I don't, you know, like I wouldn't even be able to remember. No, we've, every time, I'll say this. Every time Todd Harper comes on the show, mm. we, oh man, that's like, it's just like lightning in a bottle. Like we just kind of, we always have some really great conversations when Todd comes on the show and that's why he's been on the show like three times. Same with Austin Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I, I have to say it'd be, if I had to, kind of just think off the top of my head it would probably be a tie between um our discussion about queer subtext in transistor with todd harper Mm. um our discussion about labor practices at blizzard with austin walker and ian williams Mm. Mm -hmm. um and then uh, maybe i i that I, and I don't know. I don't know if I could pick a third, but I mean, me and Zufi also have some like pretty dope conversations between the two of us, just alone. Mm-hmm. Like whenever we do an episode just by ourselves, yeah. we tend to like kind of go a little bit more in on <laughs> shit like than we usually do with I a mean, guest. Yeah, yeah. So. I actually, I actually wanted to highlight that. I think that that's a really with most podcasts that you know feature a lot of big guests. I always look for the chemistry of the hosts when they're not guests on. And I think that both of you just are just nail it. And like, I, I agree. I, I really enjoy the episodes where it's just you two. 
I'm a not like, oh man, they don't have a big guest. You know, <laughs> I might have to listen. I might not listen, which like honestly, I do to some other shows. Like there's some other kind of popular shows that they kind of depend on the guests and they don't have that chemistry. But I think that um, you and, and uh, Zufi definitely, definitely do. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I mean, that's something that we worked really hard on because our first 50 episodes were mostly me and Zufi just talking about whatever, you know, world of Warcraft stuff. And you, you, you wouldn't be able to get through 50 episodes of us just talking to each other. If we didn't have that chemistry, like I am kind of a firm believer of, if you can't spin it between your hosts, having a guest on is not going to improve right, that. Right, like right. you have to know how to communicate right. with each other. You have to have that rapport as the foundation of your work. Otherwise no one is going to listen right. to you because guess what? Podcasts are very popular right now. They're a huge saturated market. If you don't have that really good rapport with your host, People are going to hear that. They're going to know. It's not something you can really fake. You have to have that as the foundational layer. And then whenever you add other people to the mix, then you keep that same chemistry going because if the guest turns out to be kind of quiet and not as outgoing, Mm -hmm. then you have your host to kind of fall back on. So it's it's really super important. It's something that we've... um, I wouldn't say that we've worked at it because it's not (laughs) really something you could work at, but like... Um, when I first started the show that like, it was so weird because I was basically like, Oh, I just want to do a podcast. And I was like, who wants to do a podcast with me on Twitter? And Zufi spoke up and I didn't really, I mean, I knew who she was cause we were both bloggers and we both followed each other, but I didn't like know, know her. And we just got together and just started like, kind of had like a jam session just, started talking about what were the things that we wanted out of the show. And I was like, Oh man, I know she's the one. She's the one (laughs) 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 for podcasting. (laughs) No judgment. I think, a thing, a thing that I always come away from every episode of your show. And and this is going to be the, the, the pile like love on, on apple cider show and Zufi show is, (laughs) Is I always come away with the idea of like I learned something that I did not know the week before, mm-hmm. which I like even your last episode, which is titled "Sensible Breasts," um, <laughs> which made me laugh so because that's the funny part. Is like what is going to be the name of the title of this week's show yeah. that's going to make me laugh really hard, and and either it's a it's a come to oh 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 shit moment. Or it's a damn that makes a lot of sense moment, and you have a lot of those in your mm-hmm. show, both on. Um, topics that you'll you'll kind of dig into uh, from your guests, or just things looking at uh, you know games games criticism and and, and and game crit in a way that's not really done as well as when you guys do it. So so one, I appreciate that, and two, how how have you kind of formed that sensibility? I mean, I know a lot of it just comes from the real life, everything, but I, but I also know that it's very very different when you're talking specifically about the games you're playing and the ones that you're um kind of looking at you know future past and present mm-hmm. uh, can you go into a little bit about you know how you kind of form your 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 ideas about some of the the things that are happening in these games that we're, that we're all playing and, and consuming 
Well, first of all, thank you for uh, the very nice words. I always get so uh, verklempt when uh, people are like, oh, I love your show. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what to say. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I was, you know, raised on the mean Twitter streets of the feminist activist circle. Oh, man. You know? Stay strapped. Like, you know, I just like to keep it real. Um, <laughs> yeah. Real feminist. Uh, but I mean, like, that's that's the thing is both me and Zufi come from not a gaming background we come from being feminists critical thinkers first right. media mm-hmm. critics first and then we play games like zuvi has been playing games way longer than i have i didn't play games from about 1993 until 2005 mm. i didn't own a console until last year i didn't own a console as a child I didn't grow up with video games. I played them when I was very young, and I played them when I started playing World of Warcraft after college. So there's this whole long timeline where I didn't touch games. I wasn't in the culture. I wasn't raised with them. I never asked my parents for a console. It just wasn't a part of my world growing up. So I'm coming to it from this very outsider perspective. Both of us are kind of coming to it from, yeah, like I said, a real like feminist rhetoric first that's the critical lens that we're kind of you know putting the glasses on and uh (laughs) so whenever we approach a topic we're always going to come at it from this kind of left field you know it's a video game but how do we feel about it as people who are not necessarily being catered to Mm. in this space in this community and both of us, you know, like I, I, n- I not as much Zufi. I don't know because I don't, I didn't know who she was before we started, you know, talking, hanging out. But like, um, when I was first on Twitter, when I first got onto Twitter, I, um, was in the Twitter circle of just feminist, not mm. games, not any media, just feminist, and. You you can't be around that level of discourse on a day to day basis without you know having your mind expanded basically like you right. can't you can't be around these amazing thinkers and these amazing writers like I mean I'm talking about like like I my first Twitter account I started following like you know Miki Kendall and Trudy <laughs> you know like all of these really influential like. Uh, black womanist slash feminist thinkers and that kind of blew my mind open like I was like there's just this whole other fucking side to feminism that I had never thought about before I would just follow all of these people and they would make me follow other people and you just you, you can't jump into criticism and rhetoric and things like that without dedicating a certain portion of your day mm. to looking at the experiences of people who are not you. Right. Um, And I think that that's kind of really helped because I don't want to walk into a conversation and think that my opinion is the first and the last word, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's not going to be productive. That's not going to help anybody. That's not going to push the conversation forward. So a lot of what we do for the show is just research. It's literally just, let's read like 50 articles a week to figure out which ones are going to be on the show. But it also means reading 50 people's work, looking at people's indie games, looking at people's like game trailers, looking at people's 
blogs and listening to their podcasts and listening to, uh, you know, like them talk at, you know, conferences and things like that. Just the more you put your eyeballs and your ears on other people's work, it has a profound effect on your work because you can't not help but like absorb that on some level. So that's where we're coming from is we want to express to our audience that you're learning things, but we're also learning things too in this process. I mean, I'm not the same person I was a month ago. I'm not the same person I was two or three years ago when I started the show. You know, you have to grow and you have to change and you have to expand. So every episode, I'm always thinking about the stuff that we talked about and changing my opinions sometimes. Like I have definitely gone through the course of an episode and thought, oh, huh, I never thought about like that. Maybe I'll kind of rearrange my feelings on that. And and having that debate can sometimes, you know, open doors and things like that. So, yeah, that's kind of what we try to do. You know, just whatever. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, and the the, uh, reading articles, it definitely shows. And it also points to one thing, also thing that I love is that um, you guys aren't afraid to get really deep and really, and like, I don't mean this in a negative term, but very academic um (laughs) like i learn a ton of stuff because you know i'm just like i don't know a lot about like feminist critical theory aside from sort of the basics of it um and i feel like you guys um at least to me don't seem to like want to say all right let's dumb it down a little bit like you kind of like really just throw it out there and just get really deep and it's like academic but not like overly academic or like hoity-toity you know yeah but but like you're not afraid to like use certain words or like definitions that might not be like in the common um speech and like i really like that it's it's like definitely made me do my own research on my side um to get more insight on the things that you bring up and i really like that oh thank you i mean that was kind of our goal from the beginning is when we first started the podcast we i mean like you you go to our site now and we include a glossary of social justice terms that we use um so that people coming and listening to the show can kind of maybe get up to speed because i i mean we're not going to put it at 101 level but we also like you said we don't want to make it inaccessible because inaccessible feminism is not feminism for everybody (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you know like we want we want people who also get on our level we want the people who are also you know kind of on the same wavelength as us but if you shut people out that you're losing part portions of your audience and i we definitely don't want to do that we just want to have like a, a, a regular conversation about the stuff that interests us. So of course it's not going to be super academic because neither Zufi or myself are academics. We're um, media critics and we're, you know, lay people in a lot of ways. I mean, like, I don't know shit about game theory. I, I don't know shit about that. I <laughs> learned all of my feminist stuff through social media that's where mm-hmm. I learned how to be a feminist was mm-hmm. like live journal and Twitter, <laughs> you know, like so blogger.com. Oh, absolutely. No WordPress blogs because right? that's where the common language of the, I mean, in, in my time, I've also gotten into, you know, like I've read books at this point in my life, but the best way to get people into any sort of conversation, feminism or, you know, games or anything is just, 
speaking in a common language and getting people kind of on board and then kind of drop in some science on them. So, you know, all right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Kyle. No, no, no. Oh, no yeah. So I, I, I love the fact that you guys are, uh, so frank and you know honestly i guess if we can use some urban vernacular um i love that you give no fucks like um you know it's just all conversations that that not only that you have on the show and and you know for those of you that haven't been fortunate enough to meet apple cider mage in 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 real life um let me tell you that the person that you listen to for an hour plus every week is the person that you get but even more colorful and even even just more uh, just effervescent um if 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 i could you know if i could use that word um what made you decide not to filter yourself or was there was there a a time in the in the history of the show where you guys decided you know what all right now it's time to switch it you know now it's time to 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 kick it up to 11 or was it already at 11 from the fucking beginning? I don't know if it was at 11 from the from the beginning. Uh but on the other hand, on the other hand, I'll, I'll you know, uh both of us are adults. Right. <laughs> it's, it's not a family-friendly podcast and one of the things that you really get tired of doing as a feminist, as a woman on the internet is having to bite your tongue and use really polite language and don't get too angry and don't get too nasty and don't be too frustrated and just keep it all in and just keep it inside. Mm -hmm. And so the podcast was kind of our way of having that uninterrupted conversation. And I mean, that's so important if you're a marginalized person in any way is to just let off that steam. Mm-hmm. Just have that place to vent and kind of just, I mean, uh, we do keep it professional. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> we're not going to get on and shit talk people for like two hours. But um, as much as I would like to, uh, but uh, <laughs> you, you have the ability on a podcast to have that uninterrupted conversation that isn't interrupted by like dudes on the internet 24 right, seven. Right. And mm. that's invaluable. And a lot of the feedback that we've gotten from women who listen to the show has always been like, Oh man, I love this show because it sounds like two of my friends talking over coffee mm-hmm. and I was invited. And I'm like, that's exactly the kind right. of feeling that we want is that you're just sitting down with us and we're just kind of going about our stuff and just talking about games that we've played and interviewing guests and just going over the news. So, I mean, when we first started out, we were a little bit more measured because we were kind of afraid about how the World of Warcraft community would react. But over time, we've just gotten really comfortable with ourselves and especially now that the show is ending in a couple months, I think the gloves are coming <laughs> off even like even more because we don't really have anything to lose. But um, mm. um, at a certain point, it's our podcast and we're just going to say what we want to say about yeah. things. And because we don't really get to do that on Twitter or 
anywhere else really you just <laughs> right. it's just kind of you gotta always put on the like professional face right. you go gotta always put on that like nice right. face that like you know you're <laughs> yeah. polite respectful you know it's and it, it gets really tiring after a while so you know justice points is kind of our way sometimes to just have those thoughts and and not have somebody like well, actually, at us, you know, <laughs> in the middle. So, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. There, there, there are many, many discussions that that are on your show where I am like, I can't believe that Apple and Zufi just said that because I'm trying, like, like I'm trying to be a, a, a quote unquote good male feminist in many ways, and I'm okay. trying to not, not, not use certain language and and, and try to learn, you know. Uh, terms and, and and vernacular so that I'm being I'm being uh, an ally in this space. Yeah, but I also appreciate the fact that you would just say randomly say titty when it has a discussion about because because titties is the most fun word to right. say. It, it, just it is titties. It is. It's a great word. <laughs> it is, and I and I and I and weirdly, I just really appreciate that from a very just like like fundamental level. But something I did want to talk about really okay. quickly. Okay. Uh, before before C has his last say is besides the fact that you run this amazing podcast which has helped numerous people and has been great for everyone involved one of the things I really love about you specifically is that you're a fucking amazing writer oh well, oh thank you <laughs> <And> <laughs> you're a fucking amazing writer and one of the one of the one of the pieces that that I actually really love that you have done. Um, was one that you did on Medium uh, back in August. And it was one that was called Rethinking Menstruation. Yes. <laughs> and my, my love of periods. <laughs> your period love, your period love piece. Show title. <laughs> Word, self-title. Is, is, was one of those things where, again, it's, it's just another aspect of how awesome you and your show and the conversations that you and the feminist community are having where it's enlightening to people who aren't necessarily in those spaces i am lucky enough to have been 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 raised by by the women in my life so i had a very um uh close tie to this particular conversation because mm-hmm. i was the person in the household who used to have to go to get everyone's <laughs> everyone's pads yeah 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 <laughs> so when i read so when i read this article i was like yep Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and i but i but i appreciated it because it it kind of delved into talking about menstruation but not just from um uh, a one-sided one side of that conversation it talked about all the venn diagram versions of how menstruation works in yeah in in in, in that space and and i'm happy that you did it and i kind of want wanted you to not necessarily talk just about that particular piece but some of your writing what have been some of the some of what have some have been what have some of the best parts or some of your favorite pieces that you've been able to write over the past couple of years? Um, I haven't been able to write as much as I would like to just because um, I work full time and that kind of like drains my creativity uh, really quickly. Um, I mean, I really like the piece that I did at Paste about um, I, I did two pieces for Paste. One was about kind of um uh hardline miami and talking about you know like short-term nostalgia about like um kind of the rise of like hyper masculine mm-hmm. games right. you know mm-hmm. like like hotline miami and like fight club and things like that and kind of dealing with that but the piece that i did first for pace was actually really 
it wasn't as well received. Like a lot of people didn't talk about it, but it was really personal for me because it was talking about playing fantasy life on the 3DS and my love of games that let me like decorate houses and stuff like that Hmm. because I lived in New York City for a couple of years and I was born and raised on the East Coast. What, what? And uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) so, but I was really poor. I was really, 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 really poor when I lived in New York City. Keeping your head above water. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I didn't eat every day sort of poor. So when I started getting into games that let me do like interior decorating and stuff, it was like a big deal for me because I, you know, would struggle to make rent. I didn't have furniture. I didn't have anything like that. So it was like this really kind of weird escapism to play games that let me now um, kind of simulate that feeling of having a house and getting to fill Mm. it with all this like beautiful furniture Mm. and, and kind of with that. And that's kind of a theme that I kind of gravitate towards a lot. And so that was kind of like a really, you know, personal piece of writing that I did. Um, I, when I blogged a lot more, I know that I wrote also a really personal piece about, um, uh, a, a twine game, uh, by Michael Lutz called, uh, the uncle who works for Nintendo Oh, yeah. And yeah, and talked about how that game um, was kind of really revelational about the idea of um, female friendship because I only played Mm. the game as a a woman character and how it's very subversive and includes like just a tiny bit of different dialogue and content uh, that tackles um, being a female gamer and and kind of that stigma and, and kind of that, you know, having to fend for yourself in male dominated spaces and that when you find women friends that you really connect with, you, you kind of support each other and you help each other out. So, um, I, I kind of dug into that. Um, I don't know. It's hard. I, there are so many more things I would love to write that I just don't have time for, unfortunately. And I know that that's kind of like makes it really sad because I have so many thoughts to, to share with the world. <laughs> like, you know, the best I can do is like my Twitter uh, some days. But um, thank you for bringing up the menstruation piece because that actually took like a little bit of research. There was quite a lot of research I did for that just because like um, it's one of those topics that is super hard to negotiate. Oh and, yeah. And uh, it's also still very contentious in feminist circles because of, you know, how feminism likes to only treat periods as like a, a female thing and it's not. Right. And um, that's the kind of work that I would like to do after Justice Points finishes, because I think that while gaming is really cool and awesome, and it's a really great piece of medium to kind of pick apart is that I still would like to kind of return to my roots as a feminist activist and kind of talk about, you know, maybe larger topics like that, that um, are maybe harder for a lot of people to articulate. And I would like Mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, lend my expertise to those sorts of things. So, well, well, I'll say, I'll say this before we we dip into our music break. When you get back into that space, the space is going to be even better with you back in it. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) So 
we're going to go into another space right now. We're going to go into our music break space, which is going to be coming up right now. Uh, we're going to boogie up out of here. This is episode 84 of the Spawn Me podcast. We'll be right back after our music break. Take a listen to this. back uh that was the dopeness that you just heard on the spawn me podcast episode 84 that was our music break that joint was from a brother out of columbus ohio satelle uh with a track that i'm sure you've heard that break before i'm sure you've heard that sample the name of the song is called sounds within and if you ever have heard one of my favorite tracks the lyrics to go joint Mm -hmm. Uh, it is a drum and bass kind of twist on that track. So, uh, word shout out to Satelle. Uh, thank you so much for 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 being dope and for making awesome music. Uh, we are rocking with Apple Cider Mage of the Justice Points podcast. So, we talked a lot about how amazing you are and how awesome everything that you do is. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about some awesome, some other awesome people who are doing stuff in the game space. Um, and we kind of, kind of have to jump back a little bit to our last episode. Cause we had a couple of discussions that we now have some updates upon. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those is we had this conversation about YouTube red last week, uh, and kind of gave us a quick overview about how that is running and what it entails. Um, one of the biggest names on the internet and on YouTube had some thoughts about this this week. Uh, that guy, you know, that guy, Felix something or other, Mr. Pretty Face Seven man and a half the, million the, dollars the, a year, man. Yeah. Yeah. PewDiePie. So he PewDiePie had so much money. Yeah. He, makes, he so makes like yeah. Wolf of Wall and Street And I don't money. get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I, you know what? I would love to have that conversation. I really would love to actually have PewDiePie on the show once. Well, uh, just to kind of, uh, you know, things may happen. You ain't, you ain't got, Cicero. No, you ain't got no job, Tommy. Right. <laughs> you ain't got no job, Tommy. Uh, 
yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, no exactly. Talking. You know, a couple of people, a couple of people at my job know know PewDiePie. Um, yeah, all right. We'll get get to yes, working, yes. Tommy. Get to working. Yes. But but I but I think the interesting part of um, what he does is he's garnered a huge audience. Um, he's making crazy dough off of YouTube mm-hmm. revenue. Um, and YouTube Red, you know, he's making a original pro, uh, original program on on the on the site, um, and talked a little bit about how ad blocker is probably the reason why YouTube Red is even in existence. He says on his on a Tumblr post that he put out, he said YouTubers lose about forty percent of their ad revenue. He says personally, I'm okay with it if you use ad block on my, on my personal videos. Ads are annoying, and I get it, but I'm not here to complain about that. He says, but for smaller channels, this this number can be devastating. It says, despite this, it seems that many people's general attitude towards ad block is very open and loose. Um, he also says, uh, he says that many what what he thinks that most people don't get is that YouTube Red largely exists in an effort to counter ad block. Says using ad block doesn't mean that you're clever and above the system, which I'm not sure why that would be something. <laughs> um, he also says. YouTube Red exists because using ad blocker has actual consequences. So my question to all of you would be, one, are you using ad blocker? Two, what do you think about the use of ad blocker in comparison to all of us being content creators? And three, do you think that PewDiePie has a point? Um, I will start off with you, Apple, Apple Cider. Uh, This is really kind of hard because... um... I don't know what the breakdown is for YouTube Red dividends for mm-hmm. content producers. And I know that we've already started to see a wave of YouTubers come out and say, please don't sign up for YouTube Red. None of us are getting paid. And that makes me really edgy because YouTube has slowly been trying to throttle the money that they're giving out to the smaller outfits. Like um, there's a really uh, well-known uh, like world of Warcraft YouTube or, you know, blizzard YouTuber lady called trade chat. And she is not the biggest, but she also does have a you know sizable following. And she has talked repeatedly about how the cut of money that YouTube has given people for ad revenue and the, kind of hoops that you have to go through for um like you know being like a youtube partner has Mm -hmm. gotten increasingly um you know smaller amounts of money and more hoops to jump through and has just they're just trying to pay people as little as possible despite the fact that all of these people on youtube are the whole reason that it is profitable you know for every you know, like Rhett and links that are on there. There's like, you know, 10,000 other people that are driving people to the site, but their biggest content producers are the only ones that I think are getting paid fairly. Everybody else is just kind of getting um, squat. And so I understand how the ad stuff factors in, but I also think that YouTube is not playing fair with that because i think at this point it's kind of a big enough company and has enough um revenue streams at this point Mm -hmm. that it could be paying people a lot more and i have a feeling that youtube red is a way of like siphoning even more money away from people under the guise of like 
telling their audience, you use ad blockers, you know, naughty, naughty, while promoting this system that's supposedly more fair to their content producers, but doesn't, hasn't given me any vote of confidence for that. And, um, I mean, I use an ad blocker. I don't use ad block anymore. I use like some other one called, um, uBlock origin because ad block has some kind of like weird stuff going on with it in the back end. But I do whitelist sites mm-hmm. that mm, okay. I care about because guess what? My boyfriend is a person that runs a site <laughs> that's very dependent <laughs> on ad revenue. So <laughs> I would I would be chipping into our rent fund <laughs> if I didn't, you know, have it un- unblocked. But, you know, I use it to, you know, make sure that, you know, the level of malicious ads stays, you know, stays pretty low. But I will, I mean, I've gotten to the point in my life where I'm enough of an adult where if I really like something, I have the money that I can afford to support the products that mm. I want to support, so whether that means watching ads, paying for a subscription, but I only want to pay for subscriptions if I know that the people that I want to help are getting that money sent to them. And if that's not the case and YouTube is like basically stepping in and only charging $10 a month to remove those ads, which by the way is very cost prohibitive for just removing ads. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> and that money's not going to the YouTube people that I would ostensibly be supporting. Well, fuck YouTube, you know, like <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> Uh, uh, Reef, what do you think about this? Um, I like the idea of YouTube Red. I mean, it's completely optional. You don't have to do it. Like, you can still get all the links to your silly cat videos and all that stuff. Um, I personally don't mind the ads on on YouTube. I mean, if there's one that's, like, th- super long, I just leave and come back. I mean, I just think that this <laughs> is really an example of people being used to the Internet before it became a big business. And they want all the perks mm. of the internet of being a big business without the infrastructure and the payment of it. I mean, you know, like I think that, you know, um, PewDiePie LinkedIn showed that, you know, that they're still not making money on the site, even though, you know, it's by far the majority like video um, site on the internet. They got to make money. You know what I'm saying? And, right. you know, I don't care if I don't get to watch an exclusive PewDiePie series or whatever they're going to gate off of that content like you know i'm just not going to pay for it. it's not worth my uh time but there are some people that are going to pay because they watch youtube a lot you know it's like the same way how i paid the extra couple dollars to get a uh ad free experience on a uh, hulu right. because i want be, because right. i watch a lot of hulu right and yes. and it significantly mm-hmm. improves my experience when i can watch a show all the way through and not worry about it. So, I mean, I like the idea. You know, you know what I'm saying? I think, again, people just need to just, like, this is what happens when this stuff becomes big big businesses. Like, they're going to monetize, and either you pay or don't, but don't, like, complain about it. You know what I'm saying? Just, just like, either pay it or don't pay it. Yeah, I think a good question that, before we get to UC, there was a good question that was asked by the author, and he says, um, the only uncertainty is, does YouTube Red actually have something worth paying yeah. for? And I think that that, at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm not the, like, capitalism is great. But, um, <laughs> like, if this is if this is one of those, and that's the way I usually talk about capitalism. 
Um, if, if this is one of those free market kind of deals, you know, we're going to talk right to a Republican. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> exactly. So so I, I was going to say, yeah. So I think capitalism is great. Um, as I open my email and there is a an email from Google Play for a free membership to YouTube Red. Nice. Um, so um so I, I think I think if we could if we could liken this conversation that, that PewDiePie is is having uh right now to, to something that is quasi political, I would I would say that uh this ad block thing is a lot like this voter fraud thing. Um personally I don't use ad block um or any ad block uh variant because I, you know, when I'm watching YouTube, I'm either at work or I'm not at, at work on my breaks on my breaks. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, right. So I am, you know, I, I'm I'm at a place where I can't, I won't be able to, to actually add an ad blocker um, on my computer at home. I don't necessarily do it because lots of times when I'm watching YouTube, I'm not necessarily watching it on a device where I could apply an ad block, excuse me, I yeah. could apply an ad blocker. Um, so, and, you know, it's primarily your your computer. Sometimes, you know, you can put one on your phone, but I always get really, you know, all that stuff is really sketchy when you start adding that shit to your phone and your tablet and that, that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm maybe I'm pulling something up on YouTube on my on my PC, but then um, I'm throwing it, I'm casting it directly to my television because I want to watch it on the biggest screen I have in the house. And if it's on that screen, then or I'm pulling up YouTube directly onto the biggest screen I have in, in my house. And when it's on that screen, I'm going to get the ad. So, you know, I don't really care. Like like Sharif said, if uh, an ad pops up and it's really a really long ad and I'm not interested in it, I go away and I come back or, you know, I zone out, I, you know surf on my phone or do some other shit, which is what everybody does in the first place. So, you know, who gives a shit? Um, the fact that they, the, the thing that was, was alarming to me, um, in, in this, I, I, I think they're, uh, you know, I forget what the word is or the phrase that people use when, 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 you know, people are being kind of hyperbolic about things, this, this whole 40%, of revenue being lost to ads, um, uh, you know, or via ad block. Um, I, I, I really think that's, that's an exaggeration of, of sorts. Now, now let's be fair. Uh, the people that are using YouTube aren't necessarily technically savvy. The people that are using YouTube to watch PewDiePie are more technically savvy than the people that are just watching YouTube to watch cat videos. That's that's fair. And those people that are watching PewDiePie are probably more likely to understand what ad blockers are and have installed them. But I would I would really doubt that it's 40 percent of the views that are going to view, you know, PewDiePie um, using ad block. I just I just don't think that that number is is even close to being that high. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it, first and foremost, I know, I happen to know uh, quite a few people that work for Alphabet slash Google, um, and you know the 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 money that they make on ad revenue 
um, is in it's obscene, obscene. So they're not being hurt, you know. What whoever's using ad blockers around the internet, and there are lots of people that are using ad blockers, you know, around the internet, around the world. Um, it's not affecting their bottom line whatsoever, and I really doubt that. You know, people have concentrated on YouTube and and you know have really focused their efforts on on keeping their ads out of their YouTube videos. Uh, so so you know that part is like I just really think it's PewDiePie really becoming invested. Like his his fortune, his brand is tied to YouTube, um, yeah. and right, you know right. and and if if even if he is a, a, a an independent contractor, you know, obviously he lives in Sweden, so he doesn't get a 1099, but, um, you know, whatever he gets, he's a contractor, but he is as close to a corporate entity to YouTube as anyone um, because he is right. so tied to what they do. I think that this is one of their biggest stars coming out in support of this thing that they're doing um, and I don't yeah. know if he necessarily believes all of the things that he's saying, um, that he's yeah. just coming out and saying it because these guys are saying, you know, and, 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 you know, rightfully so, because, you know, they said they pitched pitched him on the idea of a new show that they will produce yeah. for him. So it, yeah, I mean, he he moved to L.A. or li- like temporarily lived in L.A. Right. for a couple mm-hmm. of months over the summer right. to film that to film that show. Exactly. So, I mean, like, I don't think he's even freelance at this point. You don't get paid seven million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a contract involved. Right. You don't pay right. someone seven million dollars no. through like you know what he would. I would. <laughs> I'm sure what he would say and what he'll probably say when he. Uh, Makes his way to Chicago is that he earned seven million dollars. Um, oh, and, I don't I mean, think he doesn't do work. Right. I mean, yeah. I think he he. I, I well, 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 and, and million, well, what but, you know, and you know, and in essence, what I'm saying but is he, that he earned it via the the system that is set in place, which is ad revenue, and, oh, yeah, and, you yeah. know, what have you, as yeah, opposed yeah. to Google or Alphabet or YouTube cutting him a check and saying he's an employee. You know, he's drawing a yeah, salary from yeah. them. Um, but but I will say that I think in this in this instance, this is a guy who who definitely has a dog in the fight to make sure yeah. that you, oh, no, no, that makes to make sure that YouTube Red is a successful pro, uh, program. So yeah, he wants to go out there and he wants to you know and he, I, I think he is being frank about the fact that you know I don't care that if you use that block on my videos because he knows that. The number of people that would that swear by ad block and, and swear by doing that kind of stuff is is minuscule in comparison to the number of people that actually wind up watching the videos. Um, so, right, right, so right. you know, that part really doesn't matter. Um, but he wants YouTube Red to to go on to be successful. And I think that, the, you know, the question is same question we had last week, the same question that the. The author of this article that we got from T- uh, Kotaku, uh, who was it? Oh, it's Patricia Hernandez. Um, uh, I, I, I think that the, the the real the real conversation is whether or not YouTube Red is is something that's going to be viable. I, I just I don't know. I think in order for it to be viable, they would have to make themselves more evil. 
Um, hmm. You know, <laughs> More. right. Well, well, I mean, <laughs> you know, in terms of, you know, they've already come out and, and told content creators that we will we will lock you out of the content that you're used to being able yeah. to produce if you don't sign a contract with us. Well, I think in order for them, if they're really, really serious about making YouTube Red a success, then they're going to have to do the same thing to the users, uh, to the community and say, well, oh. You want to watch this video, you know, that you used to watch all the time and, you know, you want to look at this this kind of stuff, then you're going to have to subscribe to YouTube Red now. We're going to lock that stuff behind our gate now. Um, and and then yeah. and then people are going to have to decide. And, you know, and it's 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 a weird thing to say, oh, yeah, I used to watch, uh, for example, kind of funny. I used to watch the kind of funny videos all the time, um, the stuff that they have up. But, you know, and I, I support their Patreon. I give them five bucks a month uh, and, and uh, on their Patreon. So I'm paying them 60 bucks a year. And now yeah. in order for me to watch those videos now, I'm going to have to pay YouTube 120 bucks a year. So it's going to cost me almost 200 fucking dollars to to watch to watch, uh, you know, Greg Miller and, and Colin Moriarty. What up, Colin? Well, um, well, let's 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 table that okay. for now. Okay. Let's table let's table okay. that for now. Um because I think what we'll do is we'll see what happens because I think the again this is one of those the market will tell. Right, kind right. Of, yeah. And and I I, and I, I I you know, I don't want to cut you off but I do. Um the 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 market is good. I believe capitalism to to a point is very good and it is it is important. I think that like like you said the market will tell. I think that you know consumers need to come out and speak and say you know, oh, we think this 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 service is good, or we don't think the service is worth it, and and we'll see what happens from there. So things that are not okay. worth it, uh, <laughs> I, I like that. Nice. Think, things that are not worth it are the uh, reestablishment, the relaunch of the Batman Arkham is Arkham, Arkham Knight, Arkham no, Knight, Arkham Knight. Sorry, Arkham Knight PC port. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Uh, wait we a talked minute. about this. We talked what? about it last week. It's fixed. They re-released it. It's fixed. Everything is fine. Well, it's like my right, right, it's still, it's, it's still. <laughs> well, I, I, it's uh, fixed like my income. I reinstalled my copy of Arkham Knight. So, um, I okay. originally played it through on the PC. Um, I had to lower all my settings and play it below 720p, which was. It still looked okay, and I really liked the game, so I kind of still played it, and I didn't know how long it would take them to fix. Um, and I was too stubborn to get the console version. Um, so, so um, you know, I, I played through it. I got like 98% of the game. I was like, all right, they'll probably fix this in, in a couple weeks or something, and I'll come back to it. Little did I know it would be months. Right. Um, so when they finally got this back, I was like, okay, it's done. So I started looking through the Steam notes, and they're like, well... We still didn't fix it with every driver. We still don't have support for multiple graphics cards. You pretty much need a SSD because we didn't figure out how to actually get information off of a regular hard drive. And we're upping our RAM requirement to 12 gigabytes of RAM, which is ridiculous. 12 gigs? Yes. Um, Holy shit. So I have no idea what they did to this game for it to be released the first time. And this is why I don't get that angry when I see games get delayed anymore, because I'm like, 
you know, you know, like like I was a little peeved when say you know Star Fox got delayed from uh, this winter to the spring, but who knows? Maybe it had something like this where you know it would have <laughs> launched like an absolute mess, and it would have took them months to do it, and it would have still not been fixed. So I was pretty. I don't know if I could trust Warner Brothers with another PC like release because right. not only did they completely botch this. But they said, hey, guys, we know you've been waiting a while, so we're going to give you free copies of the old Arkham games. Oh, is that what they did? Yeah, which is kind of ridiculous because I would wager that most people that bought Arkham Knight probably played Arkham Asylum and Arkham Origins and all that. So that's not too much of a consolation. Um, I was expecting them either to... um, either to um, do the uh, season pass stuff, at least some of it, um, or give you like a credit toward a future game or something like that. Um, you, you know, so, um, you know, so like, so, so like I wanted to kind of throw out the broader question to like uh, you guys, like how many, how many chances do you give a, a dev or a publisher that just shows that they can't get it together? Um, I, well, I will say as the, as the great George W. Bush said, fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me twice, I ain't gonna get fooled again. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I, I think I, I, I would say twice. Like at this point, if I were a person in in your situation who who purchased. Uh, who purchased Batman, Batman Arkham Knight, um, and and then returned to it seven months later after its release, when they finally said, "Hey, we're re-releasing the game for PC, and we, you know, we've got it working, and it's still not working." I would, I would at least swear off buying another game from them at launch, um. And I would wind up having to wait for reviews um, if if there is a title that I'm really really the the title would have to be something that I'm I am extremely interested in and then I would have to see the mm-hmm. reviews and then you know basically be an informed consumer as opposed to an excited consumer. Yeah, because because I mean like you can make the argument that you know something like Halo Anniversary, like the Master Chief Collection. Um, that as far as I read, I mean, like I don't own it, but I read there were numerous issues that they kept trying to patch and they kept on kind of coming up. Um, but I really didn't, you know, see anybody like, well, I'm not going to buy anymore. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, <laughs> like so, and, and, well, and, and that's and actually, so it's a really good point and it's actually very topical. Um, so the master chief collections multiplayer was fundamentally broken for two or three months. Um, after release, after November, it was deep into January, February before that was working um, to a point where it was even playable, really, uh, by most of the population. And it was probably March or April before it was like fully fixed, no problems, no issues whatsoever. Um, uh, but Halo 5 just released. And, you know, not only does it work. And they did it. They did it very, very smartly. Three four three did. They released uh, in, in terms of the multiplayer. They released 
uh, three or four game modes, two main game modes, Arena and Warzone, um, and then there you know some subcategories within that. And there are two more game modes that they will release at at later points. Mm, excuse me. So they didn't release everything at the same time, but what they did release works and it works flawlessly. I've, you know, I've probably logged, you know, not a lot, maybe 10 or 15 hours of multiplayer at, at this point. And I have yet to see any log I, I, lag. I've, I've heard one person say that they had lag for a couple of seconds uh, while we were playing, but that's it. That's it. It's been flawless. So, um, you know, they've got they've got a good they've got a good history with a with a hiccup as opposed to WB, who's essentially they don't have any history. They don't have any good graces to to, you know, kind of uh, weigh weigh against the bad shit that happens. So. Right. So, I mean, it's one of those things, again, where, you know, it was an interesting see it was an interesting conversation that happened about, you know, uh, which which companies get to have the last say when it before a game comes out, and then we see with this new kind of revelation that even after conversations about making things kind of work, that even after that it still seems like it was a little bit rushed out the gate, even longer than it should. That was but, that was the thing. I'm sorry, you know, I know you're you're trying to move things along. I'm trying to slow things down. Um, uh, that was exactly what we were talking about last week. Was you know the only thing they had to do was make sure that it worked. That was the only right. thing that they had to do. Um, and, right. and uh, you know, Reef, I'll ask you this really quickly. Um, last week we said, or at least I said, that I thought what they should have done to uh, to people or for people who bought the who purchased the game initially on on PC was to give give another game a WB game. And the only other WB game that I can think of um, was Mad Max. Um, you know, I thought that that would be something, you know, that would be an, a nice olive branch to kind of levy out to, to, to folks. And they didn't do that. Um, in, in light of the fact that they didn't do that, what's the likelihood of you purchasing another WB game going, you know, in the future? I mean, I got to admit, it's going to be pretty, pretty low and it definitely won't be a pre-order. I'll tell you that much. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I do pre-order games that I'm excited about and, you know, I've played enough Arkham games to be excited about this one. Um, but if it's coming from them, I mean, it's the follow through that I think is the worst part of it because, you know, some games have bungled launches and I've kind of grudgingly accepted that in this kind of generation of games that it's going to happen. But the follow through just shows that they just don't, they just didn't care. Right. Um, so right. it'll be very low. So, uh, in 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 essence of time, um, I kind of want to move along and talk about some other folks who did not follow through. Uh, the folks by South by Southwest had a very interesting week, um, and I definitely <laughs> want to get uh, Apple Cider's thoughts about what happened over this week, where uh, it seems like there were two. Uh, and I'm trying not to get this wrong because it was a lot of stuff that happened in a very short amount of time. So it seems like there were a couple of panels that were supposed to be proposed to go on at South by Southwest um, from some amazing folks, Randy Harper and and some other folks. 
um, who were talking about trying to make the gaming space better by trying to find out ways that they could incorporate tech and incorporate uh, websites, gaming, and all and all these other things to make harassment kind of less on the internet. They found out ways that they can can do that through multiple disciplines in multiple multiple ways. The folks from South by Southwest. Uh, they came into it kind of not doing their research, had put on Randy's panel and another panel, uh, which it seems like, and, and please, uh, Apple Cider, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, um, seemed to have thought that Gamergate was, was, uh, was attached to it in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. So they decided that uh, they would just shut all the panels down because there was supposed infighting, supposed uh, uh, threats that were that were levied against both the, the, the con and against the panelists. And a whole bunch of crazy shit happened in the, in the past week. If there are any holes that, that are in there, I'm sure there are big ones that, that need filling. Uh, please let me know uh, what I might have missed on that end. Um, so I, I think the one of the better breakdowns that I saw about this because I trust me I, I wasn't up on it either because uh, mm-hmm. I was kind of like out of the loop um, there was a uh, article about it on Slate written by one of the panelists on <laughs> one of the panels that got cancelled <laughs> which is uh, Caroline Cinders who um, if you have been kind of keeping up with her work she did a really excellent piece about being the victim of swatting wow. her and her mother wow. were swatted and she had to, she wrote about that but the thing is is that caroline cinders is a um user experience uh designer and she right. approached the piece and the breakdown in a very sort of methodical way gave a lot of her reasoning for you know why she thinks stuff happened the way it did and it, it just seemed to me that the panel that originally was going to happen, the level up panel, which was um, Randy Harper, Catherine Cross, uh, Arthur Chu, Caroline Sinders, and I think one other person, um, was actually going to be about a solutions-based discussion about how to develop online spaces that become resistant to harassment. And that's something that's firmly in her wheelhouse. That's something that she has dedicated a good portion of her career to um, thinking about, you know, how do users interact in a space? How do they operate? And how can we apply that to harassment? And she's really done her homework on how harassment works, where it comes from, what the processes are. And I was really looking forward to kind of seeing what was going to come out of that panel because... It's the kind of conversation we need to be having now. Yes, we know that harassment happens. We don't need awareness campaigns about it because guess what? It's been going on for a really long time and Gamergate wasn't the first and it won't be the last. If you have been on the internet for any stretch of time, right? right. harassment has been a problem in that time. It's just, it, it, it isn't just last year. It's, it's for right. a very long time. So I was really excited to see something like that happen. Now, <laughs> the fact that uh, South by Southwest didn't listen to Caroline's advice or any panelists' advice, <laughs> didn't take their research into account, didn't take their findings about what was happening on Kotaku in Action Reddit subforum at all, 
mm-hmm. where the opposite panel, which was like save point being planned by like notable Gamergate people, they didn't mm-hmm. take that advice. They uh, didn't listen to the research. They didn't listen to the panelists. They decided to cancel both panels, uh, especially after Caroline specifically said, okay, we'll go through with that other panel happening if you beef up our security. And South by Southwest West going, ah, nah, fuck it. Both panels are just gone. <laughs> and, like, they've decided to turn around on that decision, I believe, and they're going to have, like, a whole day devoted to anti-harassment stuff. Right. But I'm like, at this point, you've blown your goodwill so far out of the water. Right. It's not coming back. Plus, and and Caroline kind of talked about this at the end of her article. It was just like, how productive is it to sort of reap the benefits of that stuff happening at your event and not be actually a part of the productive change right. involved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am extremely unnerved by tech culture um, wanting to piggyback on diversity initiatives and anti-harassment stuff, but not actually helping to make spaces more diverse or less prone to harassment despite the fact that the tech corridor and the tech industry has the means and the capital and the control to effectively do those things and just kind of wants to treat this stuff like a uh, Lee Alexander put it really well she said treat it like a feature list right you know, oh, we have a diversity panel at our giant, you know, tent of technology thinking or whatever. Right. Isn't that so great? And and you're like, eh, no, because you're not really doing anything. And it's very obvious that South by Southwest, for all of its uh, allusions to it being a big marketplace of ideas and everybody's opinions are welcome. It's falling back on the same bullshit tech meritocracy that doesn't actually exist because guess what? The world isn't an equal place where the good rises to the top and the bad falls to the bottom, especially when you fast track the bad shit through your fucking (laughs) panel selection and put it on your fucking schedule anyway, even though the evidence speaks to the contrary. Okay. Right. You know, like the 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 bad doesn't float to the bottom when you rise it up with your bare fucking hands like you're like <laughs> pulling up the fucking Titanic, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> you know, like South by Southwest, it was such a colossal clusterfuck and like I don't think anything's going to happen from it other than the fact that now these panelists are just continued to be harassed. And what could have been an actual step towards working on solutions for harassment is going to just turn into another discussion that gets mired in the, like, you know, swamp of sorrows that is Gamergate at this point. So it's like, 
ugh. Yeah, it, it feels a lot. I mean, it feels. I mean, that's the way we all feel about that. But about that one group. But but I think it, it, a really quick, interesting thought about all of that was one. It showed again just how. It, and it was a couple of interesting things that Gita Jackson brought up was yeah. basically just like, you know, when you bring up Gamergate, again, we have to kind of look at it in the context of Internet culture and, and look at it in the ways that we, like like you just said, mm-hmm. have been going through this for long periods of time and, and kind of look at it in the greater scope. Yeah. The interesting thing that I thought that happened was the overreaction, but also the uh, the the lack of actual research that went into just kind of digging into the conversation in a real way, but also like propping up people to say, Hey, we're going to have these panels and that's great, but not doing any of the research to kind of dig into to that in a real way. Yeah. Yeah. And, they, but, and the, the panelists gave them links. Like, like they literally were trying to inform South by Southwest, like Caroline's piece specifically says, Arthur Chu was giving the, the South by Southwest reps hourly like updates on mm-hmm. the Kotaku in action stuff mm-hmm. and how they were planning a counter panel. So like, I mean, I don't want to be all fucking tinfoil hat here, but <laughs> like the fact that that panel got like fast tracked through right. after the voting process went through and that they sp- continually told Caroline, Oh no, 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 no. Like, don't worry about it. They'll think that they'll get a panel and then they won't. And then they do makes me think that like, South by Southwest wanted to see a dog fight mm-hmm. under the auspices of the fact that this is like a, you know, a carnival of ideas or whatever fucking term they called it. Um, you know, the big tent or the big whatever. Tent. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, so you were completely comfortable with the idea of throwing five marginalized people under a bus so that you could you could basically profit off of the ensuing controversy that was going to happen. There's no other reason that explains that level of um uh, disregard for people's safety uh, and things like that until they realized that it was just gonna keep blowing up even bigger and be too much of a problem for them and then it wouldn't be worth it to watch the controversy and then cancel both of them so I, I mean like that's an extremely callous uncharitable read of the situation and I will fully <laughs> admit that I am super cynical but that's absolutely what it sounded like mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of parts of that conversation that don't really, you know, cut the mustard. Yeah. And there's a lot of and there's a lot of parts of it that make you think, well, if you weren't going to have enough security to kind of make sure that nothing popped off, then how does that usually work? You have a you have a, a three or four day concert that is full of alcohol. Yeah. Full of drug people, drunk people. And you don't have enough security to deal with some panelists who are talking about harassment. That doesn't really cut the mustard. Yeah, yeah. Also, there's so many other parts of that. I want to I want to get Reef and and see into this really quick before we wrap up. But Reef, what did you have a couple of quick thoughts? Yeah, on that? I mean, it's complete BS. Like you're running a major conference, you should know how to deal with this stuff if you prioritize it and think about it ahead, and not be like reactionary. 
Um, and I think it's total BS that they're, you know, trying to freeze out these these kinds of discussions. This is our space. Um, we're a part of it. Um, we've been talking about this in our underrepresented communities forever, but we're also a part of this space, and this space needs to acknowledge it. All these conferences, whether you know, um, uh, whether it's GDC or CES or South by Southwest or like a whatever, like you know, these conversations need to happen at all levels, and they need to prepare for them whatever they need to do. And if they can't, then fuck your conference. You know, that's that's basically my thing is if you want to stay relevant, like you need to you need to do this shit to honor the people that are helping to build this space and make it as cool as it is. And that's that's all I got to say on it. See what's your last. So I'll just say that the incredible irony of this is that the panel that was that was set up to discuss harassment was canceled because the the. the uh the the people that that are throwing on the the panel succumb to harassment yeah. you know i mean like <laughs> I, you know what in the bloody blue hell is going on here um and then they you know that was their rationale like oh well people are complaining that you guys want to have this anti-harassment thing going on so we're not going to do it uh, you know, yeah. I mean, what a yeah. what a what a cluster of fucks. And then, of course, you know, to say, oh, we're, we're going to do it later on. It's like eh, you know, too fucking late, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think you can really rebound after that and try to put on the mea culpa by saying we're going to have this day right. full of harassment therapy and, right. and conversation when nobody's going to be the fuck there to do it. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and, and well, you're still not making right. the space safer for right. anybody. Right. Well, right. I, How are you going to talk about anti-harassment and still continue right. to not be safe? Right. Well, well, right who's right, who's right. going to have the... I want to see the panel that's like, I was ostracized by South by Southwest at the South by Southwest <laughs> harassment day panel. So. Seriously. Word. So, so we have come to the end of our show. Um, We've oh stopped harassing you. Such a dope sh- <laughs> Yeah, we have stopped harassing you with our voices. Um... Apple Cider, thank you so much for coming on to the show. We are so happy that you visited Bracago with us this week. We're sad that, that, that Justice Points at the end of the year will be coming to a close and coming to an end. But we have to say, as, as podcasting SJW family, <laughs> um, that you have definitely, in the time that we have listened to your show and the time that you have put your, 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 your content onto the world, have definitely, absolutely, you and Zufi have made this space immensely better you have made all of us step our game up and you are you are going to do awesome and wonderful things in the next projects that you all work on so so again thank you for coming to Chicago, hanging out with us uh and we love you and we hope that you have all the luck and 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 all the stuff that's going to happen later oh thank Thank you you so much that's so Oh, oh gosh, I'm really going to get so emotional. Oh, God. Uh, no, I have to go to bed. I can't be crying. Oh. Well, no, thank you so much for uh, having me on the show. I uh, I feel like awesome, super celebrity, and thank you for saying nice things about me for two hours. So, you know, like, if I, wasn't, if I was having a bad week, this would have been, like, you know, like, just race me right to the top nice. you know I feel, I feel super great and it's always fun to hang out with you guys you guys are a fucking blast i love you guys you're like my family it's it's great i i always love being a part of the the brucago 
crew. So word, you always have a place here. If you ever want to come through and hang out with us, you definitely the door is always open. There's a key under the mat for you. Uh, um, Well, that'll spare me climbing through the window. (laughs) Word. Don't don't worry about it though, because I'm in I'm in Portland, so they they'll be like, oh, she's just coming for some artisanal. Right, right. Yeah. There's got to be she's I'll climbing be through like, the window. For I heard there was a pop up cheese shop in here. <laughs> <laughs> I smelled yeah. incense. <laughs> what kind do you have? I heard something uh, was being upcycled. <laughs> oh shit! That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Before before we let you go, please plug all of your dope stuff uh, so our community and your community can meld as Mol- as, as Voltron. <laughs> okay, if you want to hear like you know the last couple of months of Justice Points, you can go to justicepoints.com. That's also on Twitter, Justice Points, and also our email is justicepointspodcast at gmail.com. I am also Apple Cider Mage on Twitter. All one word. If you want to, you know, follow me and hear me talk about, you know, TV and video games and feminism. Zufi is uh, S-O-E Zufi, which is like T-Z-U-F-I-T. And she's uh, neck deep in Dragon Age right now. And uh, and that's, yeah, that's us. So, you know, if you want to follow us on Twitter, hear what we have to say. Do it. You better do it. All of you in Bracago. Reef, I know you had something really cool that you're about to embark on. Uh, could you let folks in Chicago know what you're about to do? Yeah, uh, so I am participating in Extra Life this year. Um, I usually donate um, to Extra Life, which is a, a gaming charity, um, which donates to the Children's Hospital um, Foundation, which, you know, there's a children's hospital in, a, in a, almost every state. I joined the Wisconsin team, so on November 14th, I'll be participating in a 36-hour gaming marathon with a team of folks who are going to be doing awesome things, prizes, giveaways, and stuff. Um, so if you go to my website at sharifjackson.com, you'll see the donate link, um, which will bring you to my Extra Life page if you want to donate and support. Um, we have a team goal of uh, $10,000. Um, I have a personal goal of uh, 2.5, uh, sorry, of $2,500. Um, so, yeah, d- definitely help us out. It's for a great cause. Already got a few donations in, which is great. Um, but but uh, still got a, a couple of weeks. So um, definitely check it out. And Reef said that uh, he let me know off cast that he will twerk for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> this is every day that he streams. So, so, so ladies, gents, everyone in between, everyone. That's a wonderful way to kind of spend your money to see. Yeah, you if you ever want to see like a bony booty clap, I got you. <laughs> oh, God. I got you. Episode 84, bony <laughs> booty clap coming to you on Tuesday. Uh, Cicero, can you let everybody know what the social media business social is? Social media business is as follows. Our minister of no finance, Sharif Jackson, can be found in all social media platforms at Sharif Jackson. Uh, remember to go to sharifjackson.com, go to gaminglooksgood.com, check all this stuff out. Check out Operation Cubicle when you're checking out both Justice Points and uh, Spawn on Me. Uh, everything drops on Tuesday because that's what, that's what we do with the shit. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can find us on Twitter or on all social media platforms uh, for the show Spawn on Me. And uh, you can find uh, my great captain at Kajakins. That's Khalif Adams. Me, Fumbler, Bumbler, Stumbler of Words, Cicero Holmes. I am at Stubby Stan. Uh, the show can be found on our website, spawnon.me, also esn.fm. 
uh, on iTunes and SoundCloud, well, not SoundCloud and Stitcher and, and Player.fm and all those great places. Uh, remember to buy our merch at Redbubble. Uh, remember to send us questions like Tanya the past it. Sorry, we didn't get to it. Uh, but we'll we'll ask off cast and we'll get her to give you give you an answer um, and uh, and do all that stuff. Go to spawn on dot me contact spawn on me at Gmail dot com and our Patreon Patreon dot com slash spawn on me. Word. I don't know how you did that without passing the fuck out. Anyway, <laughs> uh, micro sh- micro machines, man. Uh, everyone in Chicago definitely support Justice Points because Justice Points is fucking dope. We are out of here. 84 is the number. We're getting up out of here. Peace, peace, and more peace. What do you say, C? Hey. Black.